Coffee with George Kokolas and Virginia Dooley. Are you nervous? Hello, hello. Well, actually, now that I'm here, I don't feel that bad, you know? I think we can do it. We can do it. Of course we can do it. That's why we're here. And that was, you know, um, a way to introduce you to Virginia, Virginia Dooley. Um, we are going to be the um, uh, co-hosts and presenters of uh, Teachers Coffee Season 6. Eventually, we are ha very happy that we have another season coming up with uh, very, very interesting guests. I guess that was uh, always used to be the main attraction for the show. And uh, now with uh, Virginia, we believe that we are going to make it even more lively. What do you think? Of course we are. Thank you for the introduction, George. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you in season six. Um, of course, uh, our guests uh, always uh, steal the show. Uh, so today we have... We have a man that comes from the other side of the Atlantic. Uh, actually, uh, maybe Pacific, I would say, uh, Pacific Coast. And uh, for him right now, when we're having this interview, it's not like 6.30 or 7.30 in the morning. And his name is Joe Rios. Um, Joe Rios is a person that I had the opportunity to meet with Jenny Dooley back in April in that amazing Eurolanguage, Euroheart conference in Spain. And uh, since the first time we met, we have had some very interesting chats and conversations. And I, I, I told Gina, he should be the first person uh, to interview for this new season. So we are here today with Joe. Joe, can you hear us? Welcome to Teachers Coffee. Yes, I can hear you. And thank you very much for having me. And you and Gina are very cordial and welcoming. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, well, uh, I will start with the first uh, standardized question, but I think with you, um, it's uh, we're going to have one more reason to, to ask it because uh, you are a person that you are so, how can I say it, so active, so creative uh, that honestly, I think that you have a lot on your plate and you're doing many different things. So if I were to ask you for an introduction of yourself, what would that be? What does Joe Rios exactly do? Well, George, thank you for the question. I, right now, I am a professional communication coach. That is what I like to call myself. But really how I got here is quite circuitous. And the pathway here really has to do with my desire to learn about language and culture, both my own language, English, native language, and others. And culture in the sense that, um, that's a big word, that we can use both of those uh, as windows to the soul of other people, to get to know other people, to communicate. That is to say, language for me in my head has always been a tool with which to get to know people and build bridges and uh, do all that comes with it. So I started that very young um, and I lived all over the world in, in, in uh, before, well, what I did was actually quite practical. 
I lived all over the world, but I iterated by going back to college, to university to study. So I kind of did the real practical stuff, the day to day. I, I did all kinds of things to stay overseas for years. Um, I spent about at least 10 years overseas in Europe and Asia. But each time at different reprises, I would go home and do a bachelor's degree. I'd go home and do my master's degree and go home and do my PhD. And then that's the way I really felt that I could build structure around my, uh, my daily experience overseas so that I could do what I really love to do, which is teach and learn. And that cycle of teaching and learning and learning from my clients as well as uh, life and so on. You know, it's really wonderful that I think uh, you gave us the perfect introduction of yourself because you started this journey with as a language teacher and eventually it was like transfer these skills of language to a coaching environment, which I find like a fascinating combination. Do I have it right? Yeah, George, thank you for, for bringing that point up. It's very important that I started teaching uh, actually English and Spanish uh, very young even in high school, certainly in college, if I remember correctly, more specifically tutoring, you know, kids and anyone who wanted to, to learn Spanish or English. But what I learned was, my father was an interpreter translator. And what I learned was that um, I liked it, but I, I didn't know those languages as well as I thought I, I, I should. So that's when I really started to live overseas or, and, and studying uh, Spanish, French, other languages in depth. I, of course, learned my native grammar, structure, thinking much more deeply. So that was the process. I started to see, wow, this, this works really well. So the more I studied another language, the more I learned English, the better I could teach English at that mm -hmm. structure level. But what I needed to learn over time was how to be a good teacher. That's a whole other conversation, pedagogically. <laughs> <laughs> the mechanics are one, but um okay, so I've got a question for you um about the young generation. Yes. Um so not uh not believing in the younger generation might be common for um for the older ones or even it's an overgeneralization. But as a, a coaching master, what could you give us some arguments about uh why uh someone could be hopeful for the youth of today, what would be some qualities that uh, you may find in them? Uh, you know, Gina, I, I kind of would like to flip that question a little bit. I think the onus is more on the shoulders of um, the generations above the older generations to learn a certain humility when working with the younger generations. It's an art. And it begins with observations, silence, um, patience, breadth. You, you, on my experience, and I learned this in tech, especially working with, um, you know, the best and the brightest engineers at, at Google and other places who, who um, came in with so much experience. Now, granted, they didn't have somewhat, for me, okay, somewhat sheltered lives because they were tracked from very young to go into colleges and, um, and be experts at very young ages. Um, they, their skill set and their experience was already there. I mean, they're, they're, they're just, I was so impressed, okay? But I could see gaps in certain areas, particularly the human experience and, and relating um, across whatever boundaries. It could be across functional team, 
It could be influence, how to influence, how to talk, certain contexts. But from all, for all intents and purposes, fine. So as I watched more, I learned, I watched myself and I learned what I was doing was I was talking at, I was talking down, I was acting as the expert. And what I, I learned finally a third phase was that there was a time for me to be the expert, but not all the time. And that was a big lesson for me. I had to learn that humility because it wasn't my age that was uh, giving me my position and my, my respect in that organization. It was my expertise. My expertise was called upon. There was a moment for it. The rest of the time, I couldn't let that, and, and you know, my background is Latin. So I have a very innate a sense of hierarchy, you know, as a guy, especially. Uh, so it's like that kicks in and you want to be that all the time. And it doesn't work that way. And, and so my hope with the, the quote, younger generation is that um, all that talent and ability is applied in the right way. And if I have any role in any involvement with the young generation, it is um, to, to be there available to share my experiences. That's it. <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I'm father to, to children, but that's separate, right? It's, I had to get out of that whole mentality. I hope this helps answer that question because I, I don't know if that's... Yeah. Really... It, it, it does answer, but is there some sort of specific specific skill that you, that you see more common in the younger generation? Oh, yeah, generation? great. Yeah, yeah. I missed that. I'm sorry. Yes, absolutely. I think it's this... Um, the sensitivity and sensibility to uh, to the human experience, that is to say diversity. Uh, at least here in California, I see this. And in, in the States, uh, a, a much more patient with difference and and acceptance. And it's inherent. It's not, it's not forced. It's not a lot of work. It's just in the blood. And, and, and I really enjoy that. And I learn a lot, a lot from them. Uh, and I see my knee-jerk reactions, and uh, and they help me see. Interesting. Absolutely, Joe. And I think I think you you hit the nail on the head when you say that uh, us, in a way, uh, older people. I'm not gonna reveal any ages here, but but I think that no, the word humility is stuck on my mind because that's what where all starts. I mean, you need to be willing to listen, to be humble enough to listen, observe, and give the floor to the young people generation because you always have to learn from this give and take of course they have to take things from you and they ought to do that because um uh, they are the future but we also owe to at least be be listening so thank you for this wonderful uh answer however and that's why i like i like this interview because we, we can uh, actually refer to many different contexts. And uh, let me remind the audience that uh, in Spain, you delivered an amazing talk about um, uh, young entrepreneurs and uh, of today. So how do you overall see um, a youth entrepreneurship today? And do you believe that we, the market, um, or I don't know, the world provides um, a fruitful context for it to thrive, or somehow without even realizing it, we are strangling it, or not promoting it at, at least. That is a really, really good question. I think the, the latter, latter is the is, is is would be my response. We are not promoting it enough, and that is kind of um, 
has become an unconscious mission of mine. I, I haven't realized I've been grav gravitating toward more and more of that. My point is that I think governments aren't doing enough to, to arrange for students, uh, learners to, to think as entrepreneurs and work as entrepreneurs, um, gather and group to, to share their experiences, especially, um, I mean, right now, my, my opinion of entrepreneurship programs, especially the boot camp idea, it's quite exclusive. There are some around the world that try to make it very inclusive. By that, I mean socioeconomic inclusivity. I find that a lot of the entrepreneurship programs that I see right now are for those who can afford them and they can be quite uh, expensive. And also you need a certain knowledge base going in and skill set going in to those things. And those are, you know, I've taught in those. And whereas what I see the big gap is, <laughs> and this is back to your question about youth, the talent pool, and I don't care where in the world, I've worked all over, you know, from Brazil to Africa, and the talent pool especially in the 20s, but I'm, I'm talking also in the teens, high school and, and middle school. They're just so eager to experiment with their ideas, chat with each other, use whatever technologies, but they're not being encouraged to do that. They're not being aggregated and put in situations where they can learn in a way without having to pay an expensive cost and be, um, you know, like a Silicon Valley startup. That's another issue I see. The standard is like you have to be 10x you know, experienced, I mean, you know, you have to think in terms of super, super uh, scaling your business. These, these concepts are, are so inflated based on a very minimal set of experiences, Silicon Valley model. Uh, the governments don't necessarily seem to want to do this because they're based, so much of their education is based on a national system, which is quite narrow. Um, internet is a problem everywhere in certain countries. I mean, it's a big problem. It's pervasive around the world. And so on. So there's a lot of blockers. And I just think that so much more could be done to, can, that's one of my um, ambitions, I think a very big one, but you can have programs that are global online for everybody, <laughs> anybody. Because what my, I guess what I'm really driving is that uh, during COVID, I was actually out of the country a fair amount for some reasons. And um, I saw so many young people with so much talent with nothing to do because there were no jobs. And if you could at least change, a, a convert that to a mindset that says, no, wait a minute, maybe we can do something online. Maybe we could, we could take these ideas we have here and turn them into something, not just for the sake of making money, but what would the implications be for society, social good, social welfare? That's another angle, another place we can take the entrepreneurship idea, which we are not, which is social entrepreneurship. There's so much opportunity there. It's seen as like another Silicon Valley business idea concept. Let's you know, let's scale a business and make bazillions of that. that that's that, that, that's so much in between. That's we don't haven't even explored it. I feel it's my that that links greatly to um, what we were thinking of asking you next, which is what what do you think the professions of the future would be? Well, it's again, I'm 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 in the technology world in Silicon Valley here, so it's a lot of uh, in the technology world. I mean, I see AI is it's it's already booming, so. Anyone studying in, in technology, artificial intelligence, data science, um, the study of big data sets, using using data, uh, digital marketing, uh, those are the four big ones that come to mind. Um, you can imagine uh, the soft skill of communication being critical more than ever. I think the, the line of work we're in is, is, is going to be extremely critical because 
there are going to be these gaps where when there are moments of uh, confusion, discord, you're going to need folks who can really bridge those gaps, who have this skill of people. It's, it's going to remain. I, I think it's going to transform into something else. We're seeing this, for example, in the medical field. The doctors are becoming um, experts in technology and so on, and then they're moving out into a different stratosphere almost. The nursing field is taking over a lot of that interpersonal um, connection with, with the customer or the patient. So we're seeing these shifts. We don't, but the need will still be there, I believe. So I still think as a, as a skill, uh, communication is critical. Certainly the ability to, uh, to read and represent data as a story, tell a story with data is a critical skill. And then uh, the fields, uh, again, in the world I run in, it, it's that, that tech, uh, the ability to, to, um, to have some sense of data science. I mean, if you're really looking for the professional fields, I think it, it's data science, it's AI, it's, um, it's certainly a digital marketing. I mean, those pop at me. I'd have to think more about, I'm not an expert in, in you know, career development, but. No, you gave us a very good um, insight regarding the skills, and it's not accidental right now that what you have mentioned, uh, you have just mentioned, has become part of organized education, actually. People, I think, they start caring less, teachers, schools, about, uh, of course, the, the academic part will always be there, and what we call knowledge, but right now, apparently, through education, they try to teach uh, young generations, whatever you mentioned regarding communication, collaboration, basic things, because I guess they are desperately needed out there. And these are the basic skills that will um, allow you to develop yourself and become um, like uh, a more effective uh, professional in any possible way. And there is a small surprise for you, Joe, but before we get there, let's I have we have one more standard question regarding your future plans. I mean, uh, if you have any thoughts about the future professional ones or where people can find you, and then we are going to spill the beans and give you our surprise <laughs> for today. Give me a surprise question. Okay. Well, I think <laughs> I, <laughs> one more thing I would like to add to the last uh, last question. I think to 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 elaborate just a hair more, the collaboration is critical. The ability to work on teams. And that is just standard fare, uh, your ability and, and cross-functional teams and, and work with people who are not in your discipline. How do you talk to them? Because we're all speaking different languages. And if we really look carefully at the definition of culture, it's the set of values and beliefs that drive your behavior that count. So, so whatever it might be, intra-group or external, um, that's just so critical to be able to understand people. And then secondly, it's design thinking. It's, it's really about design thinking. It's your ability to be creative and, again, openly work with other people. So I wanted to add those two. Um, as, as far, yeah, as far as my future plans, I, I'm really looking to expand this. What I just was mentioning about entrepreneurship, I really, it's, it's a dream I have of, of um, going global with it. But my, my ideal vision would be, you know, someone from, from every continent is working together. I, I just think and this is what's driven me in my career is to, to um, help people connect, to, 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 to teach the skills of connection across cultures. And therefore, let's see what happens. Once we lower the mask, so to speak, there's a metaphor, um, timeless metaphor of, 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 of personality, and you, you get past these stereotypes, 
and you find out what we have in common. And you do this with young people around the world um, and they start working on a common project and they see, wait a minute, I mean, imagining seeing things that are, are, are for the social benefit of all beyond the dollar or the, the, the yen or whatever currency, that, <clears throat> that, that would be a great, um, I think, move in the future for me because um, that way I can take whatever experience I have and really share it. Because there is no reason to take all the stuff I've been doing in my head to the grave. <laughs> with <that. laughs> Absolutely. Oh, with you that. need to share. You have to share. You have to share. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. And so, but the, the trick is, is that we're, we're flooded with so much information and so much stuff. So it's to find a way where, where actually those students are, are growing it more than, than, than my input. It, it's being a facilitator more than a, uh, anything else. The other thing is I continue my coaching. Um, I love coaching. Uh, actually, I love coaching young entrepreneurs. I do a lot of that in, in California and, and also young managers. I love this, th this moment when you hit a ceiling in life and there's a coach there with you and you get at everything you get at the limiting beliefs you get because we're all hitting these moments in life and then the breakthrough and the breakthrough in terms of measurable outcome in my world is a promotion it's uh it's all kinds of things that you can see happen changes in your life and then and then you 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 move on and and and, and it's just great being there as a coach there for those moments so i I kind of, I, I'm passionate about that. I, I, I love that work, especially again, that mid-level manager in their career. Uh, the high-level execs, I've done all that stuff and, and they don't need me. No, the guys, the women and men who do that so well, but they're so polished and stuff. And I feel um, I'm polished in a very different way. I'm polished in that sense of, a, I'm, a, I'm an old stone that's been uh, a lot of waves. Um, polish him and I've, I've polished myself in ways that work best for me and that by the way um uh, george and gina has been the biggest lesson of all my experience is that um uh being yourself in your work really finding knowing yourself that's another uh, tip for any young person you've got to know yourself and and of course you know where you lean in terms of your interest and talent but you've got to know that and once you know that oh life is fun and and a lot more interesting uh, I hope you don't mind me saying that because that's like my two no, cents. On. Not at uh, all. Not at all. No, I don't well, okay. Not at all. But it's very interesting what you were saying. And also, I mean, hi, execs, depending on the age, mm -hmm. I think coaching is necessary for all sorts of positions and ages. And then the higher up there you are, the, the more the responsibility, the more you might need like a second opinion or a sort of uh, someone to speak to to in, in order to have a clearer view about how to continue and what you do and to be successful mm -hmm. so um that, that your profession is truly very interesting but we don't finish here because i've got the surprise <laughs> question for you <laughs> today okay. here we um go. which is drum roll um <laughs> How how do you advise your coaches to handle criticism? Mm. With an open mind. I think there's a difference between criticism and feedback. And I think even criticism in the end is a kind of feedback. It's, it's, it's another person's perception of reality, what they're seeing. So as the receiver of it, you have to really be patient and keep an open mind 
and not take things personally. And, but criticism um, also brings with it a reaction, a visceral emotional reaction, and you have to deal with that as well. So um, I like to tell, uh, my experience in life is I separate those two very clearly. The emotional reaction is either, you know, I, I, I write something in my journal or I, you know, I, I try not to bring it home, but I, I let it out somewhere. You know, I, I run, I swim, whatever, but it's got to come out. You can't deny it uh, because it, it, it hurts. But on the other hand, uh, the, the other thing I, I, I like to talk about is being assertive afterwards. If the criticism has really affected you in some way that you feel there's an injustice, you have to learn to speak up for yourself. But the art there is how to do that. And I coach a lot in that, especially in Silicon Valley. Wonderful. Well, I couldn't have expected a better beginning for this new season. And uh, I'm, I think that our listeners will find um, whatever you said today, Joe, really helpful, useful, and very insightful. So I would like to thank you for being the first episode of season six in Pizza's Coffee. And uh, I think we should renew our appointment for uh, a future episode as well, because I'm sure you will have... I have a, a few more questions already that I've come up with. So Wonderful. we must repeat, I believe. Yeah, why not? Well, that would be a pleasure. That would be wonderful. I'd, I'd be more than happy to be here again. Thank you so Lovely. much. Thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. And um, all the best. We wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you very much. Same to you. <laughs>